0: Hello and welcome to episode 190 of this week's episode, sponsored by We Screenplay of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try and to eff it up. In a very, very humble opinion, I. I'm Giles Alderson.
1: I'm a writer, director and a producer. And I am Robbie McCain, director, producer.
0: Woohoo! And this week we are delighted to tell you we have on the fantastic Julie Delpy. Yet yeah, that is right. The wonderful actress, writer and director of some amazing feature films. And we are talking to her about her latest feature that she's written, directed and starred in. It's actually her seventh feature that she's written and directed and it's called My Zoe and it stars Gemma Arterton Richard Armitage Lindsay Duncan Daniel Brühl Sophie Alley as Zoe and of course Julie Delpy
1: She's just the best She's just she, a great She actually person. is the best Yeah
0: She's amazing And if you don't know who Julie DLP is then hey, won't be tied you but look her up she's she's incredible some of the films she has done include the Three Colors Trilogy uh, Before Sunrise Before Sunset Before Midnight not only that but oh my god the list just goes on of so many movies that she has starred in what can people take away Robbie from this week's ep?
1: Julie was so such a joy to talk to Um, she talked about her unique and original kind of Creative process where she gets her ideas from. She also talks about how she always wanted to direct. And for so many
0: of you out there, you'll understand what this felt like. How she wrote when she was 15. She wrote when she was much younger as well, but started to write properly at that age. But the Mm. struggles
1: of a female filmmaker as well. She talks all about that. She also talks about uh how you should talk to studios and executives to get your film financed with her film Two Days in Paris. She had to play some games with them in order to sort of get exactly what she needed and get, you know, an amazing award-winning critically acclaimed film. She also
0: talked about working with Richard Linklater who obviously she worked with on Sunrise Sunset and Midnight uh, and how she likes to direct and act at the
1: same time um, and how she prepares and everything that goes into that. The great director she's worked with, not only Richard Linkletter, but also the great Christoph Kieslowski on the Three Colors Trilogy and also Agneska Holland, who is on episode 148 of the Filmmaker's Podcast.
2: Oh, That's yes. a link for you there. Nice
1: she, a segue. Great <laughs> link.
0: she does talk about Agnieszka. When Agnieszka came on, she was talking about her film, Mr. Jones, which is out, and it's amazing. So it's so nice to have those connections. We love that on the podcast. We've been going for so long now uh, that it's all crossing over, and it's wonderful. So all that is to come for you on this week's Filmmaker's Podcast with the fantastic Julie Delpy. Um, but first of all, we have to tell you, this week is a very special week because we are sponsored by We Screenplay and their jury of studio execs, producers and agents and writers are on the hunt for a script. So this jury is waiting for your script to be turned into the next big movie. and These are people who can take a script and turn it into a film. They've done it before and they're always looking for great writers to do it again. Uh, and Robbie, guess what?
1: What, Charles?
0: There, there are prizes, no. there are prizes. Um, the Wii Screenplay Features contest is also giving away cash as well as the prizes. The grand prize script will receive a thousand dollars cash prize and the top three scripts will receive Wii Screenplay's top-notch coverage. But there's a best part, Robbie, and the best part about the Wii Screenplay Features competition that isn't just the cash prizes and industry jury, it's that every entry gets free script feedback. It's totally worth entering just for that. Your screenplay can always be improved and it's so important to get that feedback and these people are the best and they will give you the best coverage. So what are you waiting for? Send your scripts into the Wii Screenplay Feature Competition now and take the next step in your screenwriting career. Submit your manuscript today. The regular deadline ends on November the 15th. Go to www.witscreenplay.com Feature for all your info you need.
1: <laughs> close. Amazing postscript read, I have to say.
0: Oh, it's been an amazing couple of weeks. Not only has the repeat movie finished filming, massive congratulations to Richard, uh, Kimberly, uh, Grant and the whole team for managing to shoot a feature film in COVID in their house. Really cool sci-fi that myself and Lucinda rhodes Tucker are producing and they've wrapped cool as hell so yeah like i said i've watched the first 30 minutes already that rich has cut together crazily uh during his day job Mm. when he went straight back into that and it's it's great no easy task especially in these current times Absolutely. So massive congratulations to the whole repeat team. Also, huge congratulations must go to the Murder Ballads team as well, who completed their crowdfunder on Greenlit and they smashed their 100% target. So congratulations to you. Well done. It is amazing. You are now going to make your feature film. How epping cool is that? Take heed, everyone. You can do it too. You can do it. Um, so this is cool. Based on their short film, now it's turning into a feature. Uh, so we're we soon? We've got a special announcement, haven't we, Giles? We've got a new member of the team. We do have a new member of the team. The new member of the Filmmakers Podcast team. We have a social media manager now and she's called Kelly Pasqualici, uh, and she's doing a proper takeover at the moment of all our socials, which are at um, FilmmakersPod on Twitter, the Filmmakers Podcast on our Instagram, which is brand new, so do go follow us there, and our Facebook, um, the Filmmakers Podcast, I believe. Go support us. And while we're at this, talking of this, um, go give us a lovely five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. If you're listening to this, why not? Support us as we're supporting you. And tell your friends. Totally. Pass on the love. There's some amazing knowledge from all these episodes. This is the 190th episode of Knowledge or Filmmaking. But 200 is coming up,
1: Robbie. I know. We're going to have a special guest, aren't we? Oh, for sure. And so, Giles, not only has the repeat movie, which you're producing, just wrapped you got like another film that you're doing how many films can a man do at it's the same time well it's important you know you
0: all this time i've been you know the day took four years and now i'm just on a roll uh and obviously <laughs> the day's out now you can go watch it and, and arthur and merlin i have been asked to direct uh, a new movie it's a thriller based on a novel which was a best-selling normal exciting um so we've been reworking the script for the last two weeks longer uh and now it's ready and we've just gone to cast i can't say who yet um an offer official offer has gone in um yeah so i'm going to be shooting that in four weeks time (laughs) you don't make it easy
1: on yourself do you
0: (laughs) what's the point what would life be like if we made it easy on ourselves absolutely uh so yeah we wanted to do that before christmas and get it in and we've locations are ready and the money was there so it was like let's shoot let's do it so i've signed up it's happening um, I, I can't wait i'm really excited so next week hopefully i can fully announce what it is but it's a i can tell you it's a thriller and it's with a really really cool production team and i'm very excited
1: that's fantastic joe i was really pleased for you we got some shout outs this week right oh my god the longest
0: intro ever um yes we do thank you we have shout outs to andy fosbury diane knight of course uh, rachel pearson who is on twitter at real rachel Finch, different name. Uh, Nathan Root, uh, legend, uh, Nathan, thanks, buddy. Uh, Yvonne Newman, who's Bonnie. um Oh, Bullets of Justice, we haven't mentioned Bullets of Justice, it's out now, it's bonkers, it's brilliant, it's batshit crazy, the reviews are going nuts, this is a, a film I came on to help sell it and get it out there into the world, and it's with the Horror Collective now, and it's out there, Bullets of Justice, starring Danny Trejo, Mental, shout out to you, because it's doing really well uh, in America, and North America at the moment, America and Canada. Um, shout outs also to The Mallard Report, uh, Lincoln Fenner, uh, Ronan Summers, Tobias V's, who has been an absolute godsend during the these last couple of weeks, um, uh, so thank you to Bias um, and Jane Go. Thank you all. Shout out to this week—you are all legends. And if you want your name read out on the Filmmakers Podcast, and who doesn't? <laughs> then do get in touch. Do go onto our twitters. Send us something nice. Tell us what you like about us in the podcast. Maybe don't tell us what you like about us, <laughs> just the podcast and what use it is. Um, and if you want to come on, if you made a film or if you know someone who does, um, then get in touch uh the filmmakers podcast at gmail.com
1: and i guess we better get to the episode now right people I, might be bored I, robbie, of this we intro probably,
0: <laughs> we probably should I, I very much doubt the bored of me and you talking robbie how could they how dare That's they fine, I'll cut it down. they love us but thank you so much for listening you're all amazing i love you all keep uh your dreams going because you can make your own films too and you can make it happen and i hope you feel inspired um to go do it now go write your scripts let stuff happen make it happen they'll
1: come to you and seriously enjoy this chat with julie delpy it's a real cracker and it's funny she's a funny lady (laughs) she's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) she's brilliant she's so funny i think her son comes in at one point she's hilarious that happens so yeah it's gold enjoy this here it is
0: right yeah thank you listeners this is our episode with julie delpy of the filmmakers podcast thanks for listening you didn't say enjoy
1: i said enjoy Enjoy.
3: (laughs) Zoe, time to wake up. How is she? She's great. You're picking her up today, right?
0: Of course, it's my day
2: missed
3: you so much. I missed you too, Daddy. Why does time go so fast when I'm with you? Time uh, flies when we're having fun. Zoe! Zoe! Where is she now? They have to do an emergency surgery. She has intracranial bleeding.
0: You know, I realised something terrible about you after she was born. Your needs come first.
3: Because I wanted to go back to work a year after she was born? Six months! So what? Ah, Dr. Fisher, nice to see you again. So, how can I help you? She's my daughter. She died two days ago.
0: I can't bring
1: back the dead. It doesn't bother you morally?
3: No. Even if it works, it will not be her. The color of her hair, her smile, even what she likes or dislikes, all that is written in our cells.
2: Go
0: talk. Yes. There we go. But you're through. You made it to us. <laughs> How are Hello? you? Hello. Very good. Thank you, Julie. How are you?
3: Good. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Robbie and, and Gilles.
0: Right. Uh, uh, Giles in English yeah i mean it's oh, obviously Giles.
3: sorry sorry yeah, Gilles,
0: is good Gilles is good it's a very good french name Gilles right robert yeah robert <laughs> yeah so thank you so much for joining us this is obviously our podcast is all about filmmaking we talk to filmmakers about how they make their films um, okay. and obviously we want to talk to you because my Zoe is out now and it is brilliant yeah. And it's your oh, seventh you. movie that you've directed as well, which is, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that about you. And I think that's really interesting. Seven- oh, really?
3: Yes, seventh. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, know. I, I think the ones that some people know maybe is like the two days in Paris, two days in New York, I think. Mm-hmm. It. But I directed French film as well. Um, and I directed a like a gothic film that no one has seen. It's my favorite film, but... Oh, All right. Done, no one, no one has seen it. Sorry, sorry. My son is a. Wait, okay, I'm doing a a, a thing. Uh, you're recording on top of it, right?
2: Yes. Yes, yes
3: it's recorded. So leave me alone,
0: child. <laughs> <laughs> is he trying to fit into your shoes? Is that what he was doing?
3: Yeah. yeah, he's wearing my shoes. He's wearing my t-shirts. That's Take that's kind of
0: cool, right? Isn't it? How old is he, though?
3: Eleven.
0: <laughs> oh, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's to, That's kind of cool. He's
3: like, he's like he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a giant. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry, now no, I'm back I'm, That's I'm cool, years.
0: this makes okay. it all fun Oh yeah,
3: I've made seven films yes. um, You know, all sorts of different films I never make the same kind of films Because I, I know People always want you, once you've done one thing They want you to do the same thing over And over and over and over, you know mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a, it's, it's a little frustrating But I understand that's what people expect of you So, you know, when you make comedies They want you to make comedies only you know, it's weird, it's only in France where people are like, oh, you know, new Julie Delpy film, another, like, they like when I make a darker movie, for example, they're happy that I made my Zoe instead of another comedy after a comedy. You know what I mean? But yeah. usually, usually people want me to make, you know, you don't make the same thing. It's frustrating as a person that wants to make different things, you know?
0: Well, they put you in a box, don't they? Like, you know, if you make a horror film, they go, cool, well, watch your next horror film?
3: If the COVID had not hit, I, was, I would have probably do a horror film in my in uh, my house no way like, yeah
0: wow was, you could I have was, done
3: was, it anyway right
0: with the covid hit you could have yeah, actually but gone it's about a
3: virus <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah then probably not probably best well, um,
3: not yeah no, problem. It, it's about a virus so it's it's wow. kind of problematic it's um but it's it was funny horror i mean too bad too bad i didn't shoot it very quickly you know
0: yeah you could have the virus hit and you write all your own every movie that you've directed, you've written, which I find just wonderful. You know, you've obviously collaborated with other people as well. But what is it about, like you say, you want to do a different idea each time or a different genre. So within that, how do you find your ideas? How do you go? Okay. I want to do a film about cloning a daughter who's, who's, you know, in a coma. Died potentially how how how's it you come up with these really cool fascinating ideas that you go i know that's going to make a feature
3: that's going to make a feature (laughs) i'm like "Hmm." and uh well you know i just go by what i feel you know when i when i started writing this film i was uh in the middle of a divorce right and um Mm. it really didn't feel like a divorce it felt like a horror movie or like a sci-fi or like almost like it felt like like, you know, not that I was fighting for child custody, but I was fighting for my son's life. I mean, because the truth is when you get into a divorce and you share a child, you have to recreate two different child, basically, because you have a child with this person, but then you have to recreate a new child that you're going to raise on your own. And so it's a very strange feeling, which in a way the the film is a translation of this you know, very difficult moment, you know, but not just for me, for everyone. It's just that, you know, maybe when I go through something, my emotions get, you know, a little more, you know, and and they translate into writing, you know, because instead of having a breakdown, you know. <laughs> yeah. Put it into convenient. writing.
1: Totally. It's <laughs> a very cathartic way of dealing with it. That's good.
3: You mm. know, but it's true. I'm, I'm, it's a great luck to be, any kind of creative outlet is a great, great luck psychologically you know i think because it allows you know to 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 deal with with uh, with a uh, pain or joy or complicated times into um you know into something um, you know that's uh, yeah cathartic and not 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 uh not sink into a, a, the darkness of uh, you know Mm-hmm. Your own self and lose yourself in it, you know. Well, because it's
0: easy to do that. We have, you know, making films is an amazing thing. It's also very difficult, as you know. But it's it is that amazing feeling. So when you've got stuff going on in your own world, if you can outlay that somewhere, and the perfect place to do that is in a script, right? Or is in going to make a film? It just it totally makes sense.
3: Yeah, and you know the the, the horror film. That I was writing was also in relation to separation and, right. and uh, yeah so you know it, it, it's, it's funny I mean I, I, I made different version of it like comedy, drama, sci-fi <laughs> you know like all <laughs> sorts of ways of expressing that you know that you know it's, it's the way it is with I think everything you know um, I go through and sometimes it will be music you know because I play music as well sometimes I paint You know, sometimes it'll be cooking, sometimes Mm. it'll be gardening, which I'm really bad at. I mean, I think (laughs) I have like three tomatoes in my yard that grew after like six months of gardening but you know there's Excellent. other things i'm better than <laughs> gardening <laughs> is not one of them but, but it's but, something um, that you
0: enjoy doing right it's something that you like to do as a kind of it doesn't matter if you're any good expression. at it yeah expression
3: expression is good you know but it's true that writing is probably the easiest way for me to express myself so you know if it's a short story if it's you know I, it doesn't need to become i mean i was able to make this into a film and I, it took me some time but i really believed it was a good story to be told because I like this idea of like almost like um like a Greek tragedy in a way <clears throat> in three acts with very you know very specific, like you know the first act is really about this story that's kind of very close to our reality. The second act is something still real that we luckily have not all experienced, which is the drama that happens to our life, but that we've heard people that have been through you know mm-hmm. this kind of terrible thing, and then the third act is about this and explore territory about what if you have the possibility to do what she does would you do it you know kind of questioning not giving an answer because sometimes people would read the script and say so you're pro-cloning are you against cloning and i'm like that's not it <laughs> that's yeah, not the it's a story the, it's a yeah. it's, a, it's for you it's for people to make their own judgment which mm. is uh sometimes annoying to some people because people don't like to make their own judgment. Oh, they
0: want you to tell them so then they can tell you you're wrong.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or just follow the, you know, or just, just be a sheep. Yeah, absolutely. um, Yeah. But it's, it's, it's more and more difficult to make movies that leave you with, you know, Deciding for yourself, you know,
0: but fascinating that you came up with this concept. Great. You're in you were going through a divorce. and You came up with this this idea from my Zoe. And did you sort of know when you started writing it? Did you have in mind that the cloning would be part of this and the death of, you know, a daughter? Did you think that this from when you first started from you came up with the idea of or was it like say it's cathartic? When did the actual seed happen?
3: I love sci-fi. I've been a sci-fi fan since I'm a kid. And, um, you know, I I used to write stories about robots when I was like, you know, robots that look like human that then would become humans. And, you know, like, it's funny because I'm watching something about a robot and it's quite similar to, you know, it's very strange. But anyway, you know, I would write about, you know, robots that would have human feelings or, you know, like always about, you know, sci-fi somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very, very into that. So when, when I came to this concept of that is so ethically wrong in a way. But then, if you, as everything, you know, yes, if you, if you, if you say okay to someone, okay, it's about a woman, da da da, their child, has she holds. But if you go in the journey with that person, because we have to be careful. We're quick to make judgment of people without knowing the story behind it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the idea that you follow this woman, you go through her pain, you know, and then you go through a crazy decision that she makes, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's uh, crazy or not crazy. I don't know, you know?
0: It's like, what would you do if this happened to your child? What
3: would I do? I would do anything. That's exactly, the that's the I mean, thing. I don't know yeah. if I would do anything, anything, but, you know, I probably, I would do anything. I mean, I would give my heart. You know, exactly. Of course, if, you would. I'm dying for myself. You know what I mean. For your like, son,
0: for your child. Yeah, you, of course you'd do that. And I think that's what comes across. What would we do in these circumstances? What would but anyone? Not everybody's
3: do? like that. Not everybody's like that. Surprisingly, I have friends that they come before their child. You know what I mean? Like I don't right. personally. You know? No. But I know. I have friends that don't put the child first. No. I I know a couple.
0: Wow. So they would just go, well, I'm not well, going give... yeah. to give names. But... No, well, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> We don't want to get sued here. Uh, <laughs> but that's fascinating. Robbie, have yeah. you, I mean, you, you, would you do this? I mean, I would, I would a hundred percent. I think. It, I th- yeah, I would for, for my yet unborn children. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's fascinating that people don't. And obviously they might not have got the film then they might've gone. Well, it's, 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 it's a really interesting topic that no, but people
3: are more people. Some people are more, um, It has to be that way. It has to be that way. Kind of more like, well, it's it's not God's will because it's not people that are religious, but But if it's meant to be that way, it's meant that, yeah, yeah, faith. I'm always against faith. Like, I feel you can always kind of fight back. You know, it's like not because you're, you know, I mean, it's not because I'm born blind from one eye, for example, and I'm Mm -hmm. not supposed to drive. Well, I drive. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, fuck the rules. (laughs) Two on (laughs) one
3: because the truth is my brain has adjusted to create 3D even though technically I'm not supposed to see 3D I still see it because my brain has adjusted to my handicap right yes so so that's the nature i think of life also is to 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 go against what's expected you know i, I was watching this documentary on um Charles Bukowski, you know, when he was 25 years old, his, his stomach started bleeding. And the doctor said, if you drink one drop of alcohol for the rest of your life, you will die in a minute. Right. And he become this crazy alcoholic <laughs> that lived to be 75. So, but, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, I, the craziest example. But, you know, it's, it's like it's like this, this, you know, how, you know, and it's kind of the beauty of huma- hum- humanity or even life in general is that. Mm the odds are against you yet you make it through you know that's what really fascinates me the most about humanity you know yes. it's our insane resilience like i'm i'm on shoot right now shooting my 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 my, my tv show yeah
0: comedy. on the verge is this on the verge, on the verge yeah. yes
3: and i see all those people wearing masks getting tested with the swab every day you yeah. you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, Being six feet away, um, washing their hands every two minutes, everyone has like cracked fingers and, you know, from the dryness and everything. And, and we keep on going, you know, we're just like, you know, a bunch of rats surviving whatever (laughs) has to be survived. But it's, it's a, it's a beautiful quality that also can be bringing us to our loss because we will survive uh, the ocean rising. We will survive this and that. And eventually we won't survive because we'll go too far. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it seems like the nature of humanity is to constantly transcend what's expected, you know? And I just find that fascinating. And in a way, this is also what it's about. in, in this film, it's about a woman going against nature, against what fate is right. But that's mm. all we've been doing. I mean, I say it in the film because it fascinates me. You know, the progress of science is about going, you know, we w- we would all be in caves, like, you know, smelling each other's butt if totally. it wasn't for...
0: <laughs> Some of us like know. to do that anyway. <laughs>
3: I'm not I against mean, that. But there's
0: sites for it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's
0: entire
2: <science> sights.
3: <laughs> but, you know, I feel like we wouldn't have gone very far if it was, if we were just, you know, kind of like, just like accepting, accepting
1: things as is, us, yeah. you know, the status quo. Mm, yeah,
0: we're pushing that forward, and and again, I suppose it comes down to you've. It's amazing cast as well. You have for my yes. Zoe Gemma amazing. Arterton, Richard Armitage, amazing Daniel Bruhl. Oh my gosh, Lindsay Duncan's even in there as I well. Love her, yeah, just so cool. Um, once. I suppose, you know, how did you get get the cast on board? I mean, it's because it's you. It's because you've written this brilliant script. Is that what happens for you? How do you approach your cast normally when you go about, um, you know, making the film?
3: You know, I, I wasn't sure the film was going to happen. And then R- Richard read it, right, and, and mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And he really loved the character. And, you know, I think he had um, a deep understanding of the character because he's, um, you know, I don't want to say, but I think a family story that kind of affected him in that sense, especially specifically of that men character, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I think when Daniel Bruhl read the script, you know, (laughs) you know, he called me an hour later and he was, (laughs) he told me later that he had cried and stuff and, you know, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and he wanted to do the film and he was like, but what part do you want me for? And I'm like, well not the ex you know you don't have that you you know i think you're meant to play the doctor he was like yeah that's exactly what i want to play you know perfect yeah so then we got in touch with you know obviously richard was already more or less on board and you know and then we we cast the rest of uh uh sophia ali who was a beautiful little girl mm, and, yeah you know and and uh, and everyone involved and um and so um, and so and so then joined the, joins the rest of the cast. But it was uh, yeah. And then we decided to shoot in Berlin. I mean, the film could be set anywhere. I like the idea that they're away from their home because you know the complication when mm. you're next to your parents, it's much easier. It's much because, easier. You know, yeah. Life is a but you know I've lived all my life in L.A. and you know I don't have family members here, you know, if I can't look after my child, I have nothing, you know what I mean? If like, mm-hmm. if, if I'm sick as a dog, I have to just turn on the TV and survive the whatever sickness or yes. if I'm, you know, if, uh, if I have to go to work, you know, I, I don't have a solution last minute, you know what I mean? I have no solution ever, you know, mm. so I have to survive this kind of situation. So I kind of like that, the fact that they're in Berlin and they, they're two strangers in a, you know, in a place where they don't have an easy it's not mm-hmm. all easy for them, you know. Sometimes there's something very worrisome about giving your child to someone, you know, mm-hmm. and I've done it, obviously, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't like it ever, you know. There's mm-hmm. something about, like, I was raised by my grandmothers because my parents were on-the-road actors, not even, didn't even have a home at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it's like complete hippies and stuff, wow. you know. They barely had, they, they, they didn't have a, you know, we didn't have a bathroom until I was five or whatever. Like when I say that, people don't believe me. It's actually true. Um, wow. Where but, did you go? <laughs> there was a toilet in the courtyard and we would wash all at the kitchen sink. Wow. Yeah. My dad always talks about, and I was living with my grandmother in 28 square meters. Mm. Uh, my grandmother, my parents and me in 28 square meters with a kitchen, no bathroom. And uh, no, my dad would always talk about my grandma's pubic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so is your next film going to be an autobiographical one? <laughs> yes. You're <laughs> yeah. going to go there. that will
0: be interesting. That would be fascinating. How do you, so, well, you know. I'll oh, go on, carry on. Yes, please. No, no, we, we
3: were on the cleanest people. I mean, I have to say, like, I grew up really, like, in a, in a, we had a pink bucket. I remember they would put me in it and wash me with, like, a, Uh, like a bowl, you know, and and, yeah, uh, put
0: it over your head and that'll do. Yeah. Wash you down a little bit uh,
3: in the kitchen, all that in the kitchen. Wow. And in the summer in the courtyard. Anyway, (laughs) the the, the story is, I don't know why I went into my dad's uh, and my grandma's pubic hair, but where where was I before that? I and don't know,
0: but, but it made me think, right? They're actors, right? And you were living, you know, without a toilet since you were five, and yet you wanted to go into acting. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Pubic hair, no toilet, acting. Okay, good, good. Well, I, I see the journey. I was raised
3: by my grandmother and not by a nanny. You know what I mean? Like yes, that's That's yes. where it all happened. <laughs> but it, you know, it was lovely to be raised by my grandmother. Both grandmothers, actually. Sometimes I would go to Brittany to one and to like... Um, at mass, like near Geneva, near near mm-hmm. at the border, um, and uh, and it was uh, yeah, it was lovely to be raised by grandmothers. But my parents were really fun too. They just didn't have money. Doesn't mean it was a sad life, you know. Mm-hmm. It's money doesn't really, you know. I think I had a better life than my rich friends that were raised by nannies. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I know. You much
3: mean. better, much more, more fun, you know. Yeah,
0: more love probably, more connection, more yeah, more we're doing like, this like together. a little
3: bunch of you know bunnies in a burrow kind of life you know yes. it was it was funny it was
0: funny. yeah that's nice what was it then that made you want to go into creating acting, or writing directing what do, was there a moment can you remember as a specific film or anything like that
3: well you know i was writing since i was very young i was writing short stories mm-hmm. a lot of sci-fi actually i was always writing 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 so much you know mm-hmm. my journals i have a million actually the first before movies I just found a journal when I was like thirteen years old, and um, it's half the f- of what I say in the film. It's from my journals when I was like a oh, teenager. Wow. You know?
2: Gosh, it's
3: really funny! It's really funny that it was with me still in my twenties. You know those mm-hmm. feelings of love, and you know if there is any kind of magic, it's between two people. You know, is 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 that connection and blah, 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 all that shit? But you know, it's like. What made me, I, I always wanted to direct. And when I started acting, it was always with the prospect of directing.
0: Really? That's and interesting. Writing, yeah.
3: Because I didn't, because I had seen my parents actually, you're right, I had seen my parents both being actors and the misery of them. My mom was okay because she, she had a cult- <laughs> cultural background of, you know, of being okay, taking care of me, being mm-hmm. a mother sometimes and stuff. But my dad would go into severe depression and I was like, because he was just an actor and I could see him being miserable when he was not being an actor. Yeah. So I was I was always thinking, you know what, this is not what I'm going to be. Right. Yeah. And um, and so I started writing. I think my first screenplay I was 15 years old, you know.
0: Wow. Oh.
3: Teacher length. Yeah. So and it took me. I, and I did my first film, I was 36. No, it took me 20 years. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. you, can, you can have that passion and you can write, but it doesn't necessarily work for where you're at in terms of the world and knowing investors, knowing people, understanding how to direct a film then.
3: I'd send my script to the Avance sur Recette, which is the place where they give you money for the French government and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people liked my script, but they were like, "We're not." It was a different time. It's like we're not going to give it to a sixteen-year-old girl. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
2: Yeah. yeah now yeah. it would
3: be like, "Oh, cool, a sixteen-year-old girl. Let's finance our film." Yes. But at the time, it was like, "She just,
0: just no, yeah. no, just no, yeah. just no." <laughs> But also, I think uh, having experience does make you uh, appreciate things, and also, I don't know. I think it kind of helps you on set to understand certain things and, and understand what people might be going through. Have well,
3: oh, I know. would have been too young to do a great job. I think I mm-hmm. would have. It would have been instinctual and pretty good because I had seen so many films and I was mm-hmm. so. In the business so young and stuff with my parents on stage and stuff yeah but i think sometimes by giving the opportunity to two young people but at the same time there's a purity in giving a chance to a young person which allow them to learn on the on the spot you know yeah. and maybe it wouldn't have been a perfect film but it would have been genuinely you know there was a lot of romantic be- beats in it it was kind of a alice in wonderland but a modern version of it uh, about a little girl, a French girl. I mean, a French, obviously, because it was in French, <laughs> but like going underground and discovering this kind of parallel world and stuff. It was very Alice in Wonderland because I loved that story as a kid, you know.
0: That's gorgeous because you, you, when you started acting, you started to do a few shorts first. And actually, interestingly, you, your first feature you directed was a short as well, if I'm correct in my... Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. But I've yeah. written films before, like a bunch of films, and I directed a short film because really that was the only time I was allowed to, you know, be given a chance to direct you know when I started off wanting to be a director it was a very very difficult task for a woman to become a director now mm-hmm. everyone wants women directors especially in Hollywood it's like they want to give job to 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 women directors but at the time it was just not you know and I remember some directors were super supportive like Kieslovsky was super supportive but mm-hmm. other directors were like oh you're going to lose your mystery no one's going to want to work with you after that you wow. know yeah. You are not, you're not going to be desirable to directors anymore, which is really creepy if you think about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I was never really into this kind of desire game thing. I hated it, actually, as a teenager and young woman. I was like, fuck that shit. Like, you have to seduce people. Like, it was always a seduction game, you know? Mm. And I was so not into that. I didn't want to seduce anyone. I was like, if you want to work with me, it's because, you know, and when Richard Linkletter cast me in the, in the before movies, you know, it was clear that what I was going to bring to him was going to be creative input, you Mm -hmm. know, and writing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I like to convince people of my capacity with the creative side, but not with the female male shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I have to say at the time, it was really unwelcome from a lot of people, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it was not, not very welcome. You know, it it was, I was a bit of a, I was right away called a pain in the ass. You know, the fact that I was against that, Mm -hmm. you know, was like, you know, I was difficult. a taboo.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, it's taboo. And it's such a shame because like say now it's kind of, well, that's okay. You're allowed to do that now and move forward. But at the time you're right. It was really
1: difficult. Yeah, it's funny that just being asked to be uh, respected as a creative equal was, was seen to be a problem. Like that seems kind of,
3: yeah, it was, it was, really, a, it was a really a problem. It was, a, it, it, and luckily I worked with Richard and Ethan, who had had no problem with, with women being creative mm-hmm. or i work with kieslowski who was best friends with uh, agnieszka holland who's a woman director she's been so on the I've podcast met, yeah yeah i love agnieszka and, you know and she's tough as hell but she makes me laugh like no one else you know yeah. and um you know and we really get along and love each other i survived in this business because i was able to um navigate without uh, but i offended some people the, the fact that i uh, said mm-hmm. no to so many men you know and it was, uh, it was very unusual, very unusual for the time, especially mm. in France. I mean, when I got to America, it's like the first person I met was someone named Catherine Kendall, who's one of the first person that spoke up about Harvey Weinstein. So I was like, I left France where it was like, you know, a battlefield. I mean, we're talking 13-year-old woman dating 50-year-old. But, mm. you know, and, um, and then I arrive in L.A. and the first person I meet is <laughs> Catherine tells me about Harvey and I'm like oh welcome to you know Hollywood yeah so holly you know word. I I was, I was uh, <laughs> that was like in 92 or something so so it was funny I was like oh no it's it's never gonna end nowhere nowhere I run away from is a. Uh. but it was okay because I was strong enough to make it clear to everyone that that wasn't my thing Actually, that's why nothing happened to me. I didn't work for Miramax, but at the same time, no one tried to rape me.
0: You know, for me, you were always one of these powerful, strong women who played powerful, strong women roles. Who was, I mean, obviously, you always didn't. You know, you're a brilliant actress. So you can Not in an
1: obvious way.
0: Like, yeah, not in an I obvious way. Play,
3: you know, I always want to play the like kind of. Actually, in my show, I wrote myself a part that's a little bit being, you know, at times um, over like a bit like abused, by. <laughs> I always, it makes me love to play a woman. That's kind of like accepting the abuse. I'm mm. playing that right now. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's <laughs> the that, opposite of me, you know? Yeah. It's totally opposite fun to you. play that sometimes.
0: Yes. No, you're right. So how did your first movie um, looking for Jimmy happen then? How did you actually get it so that you could direct, you know, oh, produce, I financed writing? it. I financed, financed it
3: fully. It. It's right. entirely improvised. It's a uh, completely completely shut in twenty four hours straight. Okay. We didn't sleep. I don't know what we did. So looking for Jimmy, I decided to do it. I I couldn't get film finance. I couldn't do anything. I was like, come on guys, let's let's have a barbecue party and shoot a movie. You know, and I I, I warned all my friends. I made it like a like a It's like a treasure search. Like I warn everybody that we were gonna come up at four, we were gonna come up to their house at six, we were gonna be, and and it's all improvised and I'm provoking the questions and and kind of the situation. This was really a great fun, great fun.
2: Wow. Uh,
3: The film turned out okay. I remember the, I showed it to a friend, I showed the footage to a friend of mine editor and she's like, I can't edit it, this is too crazy. And then I spent six months editing it and turning it into something that's visible you know it's not brilliant but it's it's really funny
0: yeah and
1: it's something you did and did off your own back and went right i can prove i can do this
3: exactly and
1: how did you get people sort of on board for that your collaborators just how all did you- friends
3: all friends all right okay just Absolutely. friends friends of friends there was no one paid you know completely like wild
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah.
3: Just, just really fun you know but it's fun to do that and as a first film you know, I'd do, done film school, and I knew that I was—I could edit garbage. Basically, you could give me footage, and that's what I was doing at, mm. at NYU. Right. People would come okay. up to me with garbage footage, <laughs> and I would turn it into a film. Right. <laughs>
0: I bet they didn't think it was garbage. I was known for that. I was like, <laughs> I've got some garbage. I know. I've just shot some garbage. Uh, me out. don't worry. Alchemist. But I love
3: yes. editing garbage. I mean, I love editing so much that I, they would throw at me like things that make no sense and I turned it into something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And by doing that in film school, and, you know, I think I even got a little extra money because there was a lot of rich kids that, you know, were doing film school. I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. And so I remember they would <laughs> give me a little extra hundred bucks there and there and stuff. And uh, I didn't have that much money. And so that was convenient yeah. for me. Yeah, so I hustling. All night. I would lock myself in NYU, which was not allowed really, but I would like bypass, you know, whatever the security mm. guard and stuff and, and spend all night editing films of other people.
0: So you taught yourself taught to edit, basically. You taught yourself, which is an incredible yeah. feat. It's so hard. Wow. Well done. I mean, it's it's just brilliant. I love
3: editing. I mean, editing for me is half the job of of the, you know, it's so mm. important to give rhythm and, You know i did two days i edited two days in paris and then you know it was really really also a learning experience to edit a film that is not garbage like to actually have good footage and edit it you know
2: yes
0: that's amazing well let's talk about two days in paris real quick then because this is your second movie but this is the movie i imagine that because of the first one um that got you the finance right or at least helped you to go okay i'm making two days in paris now
3: yeah, well, what happened is that I had had an Oscar nomination for the before movies, Before Sunset, as a writer. Yay. And the film was quite successful. Well, you know, as a... Quite successful, writer, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you
3: know, like in, in an indie way, you know, kind of. Yes. But, you know, it was successful enough that people were like, oh, okay, she, she's something, whatever. So I went to people saying, okay, listen, because, you know, people want you to do, you know, the box thing. So mm-hmm. I say, listen, I'm going to do another movie with an American guy and a French girl in Paris. <laughs> I was like, I tricked people into giving me money, thinking they were doing exactly before sunset.
0: Great and idea. And then I wrote
3: something very different with a family involved, a sister, the friends. The, it was the opposite, which is not two people talking, just the two together, you know, like the opposite, you know, and it's comedy and it's, mm-hmm. you know, completely different. It's not romantic, really. It's a little more crazy than that. And uh, and then I was able to do it by tricking people at 1st I, th- I thought I was going to be able to pull off doing no screenplay because I wanted to do an improv movie because I really love improvisation. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to completely write the screenplay because in the end they say, Oh yeah, let's do an improv movie. But they were like, you know what? We want a screenplay. So the last minute I wrote an entire screenplay. Yeah. I was going to write it was Adam Goldberg, but he said, no, I want to do an improvised movie. I'm not writing anything. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm writing it on my own. So oh, I wrote God. it in two weeks, Wow! which is by the way, of most of what I wrote on before sunset, like one third or two third or whatever was written in two, three weeks and stuff. Sometimes when I, you know, once you've done the framework of things, you know, it, it, it can go very fast, the dialogue for me. Mm. And so, or for anyone really, once you have a good structure, you know,
0: is that how you like to work? Just jumping on the screenplay angle? Is that how you like to...
3: No, no, like- I spend years developing the story. Okay. I'm like obsessed with structure. I mean, you have to be very, very thorough mm-hmm. with structure and then you can write, you know. Uh, when I write quickly, it's because I have a very solid structure that's behind it, you know what I mean? So I know what I'm writing. So otherwise you can't do it. Yeah. Mm. But you can do a fast writing. It, I, I started writing a screenplay for now 20 years, about Hollywood, that I didn't do the structure of it first, and it's been 20 years.
2: Because
0: you get lost within the could be this, could be that, whereas if you've done the structure... I
3: don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I don't know how I'm going to solve it, it's 260 pages, I don't know what to do with it. And it's a mess. And it's really fun, but I wish I could just like work it through that it becomes something, you know, because it's really funny about Hollywood, Mm. very dark. Okay. Very, very fucked up. Well, why don't you, are you not,
0: do you not want to go back and sort of do the structure now? Sort of ignore that and go, let me do the structure. and then. No, re- I know,
3: but I, my brain cannot conceptualize the structure. I mean, I now see. I'm better because now I've, I've, I've turned it into this very, very, you know, I went to do Robert McKee story structure and sh- yep. shit like that, right? I've done a lot of those seminars mm-hmm. because I think it's good to learn. First of all, it's good to see what executives go to to learn what is a screenplay Mm -hmm. so you know what they're expecting right yes so for me I did it kind of for that reason yes
0: that's good because they're not filmmakers they just want to read a screenplay that looks like a screenplay that has the beats. they're
1: looking for results
0: yeah yes I know so
3: so you have to know what they're expecting from you but at the same time I learned a lot in storytelling and even when we were working on Before Sunset I remember working we were actually working on very specific structures, just two people talking, yet same kind of arc changes and all inciting incident, whatever it's called,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, um, story structure kind of thing. So it was it was really not a waste of money to do that. Anyway, anything to learn more about something, never a waste. So I wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. and, um, and and it was a great fun to we, we shot this in 15 days. It was a very, very low budget. And, um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, I had problems, you know, the, the, the French producer were like, oh, you can't keep that scene in the taxi where you say, welcome to Paris, welcome to Paris, you know, with Hitler, because it's not romantic enough. You can't keep the scene where you attack the guy in the cafe, calling him a pedophile, the ex-boyfriend. You know, they were like really annoying. And then I told them, okay, fine, I'm not going to cut the scene, go fuck yourself. You gave me like 200,000 euros and you want me to on top of it, like fit like the typical romantic mm-hmm. comedy shit. So I told them to go fuck themselves and then it went to Berlin and it was super successful. And then they even forgot they had told me to cut those scenes. They were like, no, we never said that. No, no. What? What <laughs> wow. <you know?"
1: laughs> wow. Self-editing. I love that. Yeah. So
3: then they sold the film to more countries than ever in the history of French films. Not saying for the amount of money, but the mm-hmm. amount of films. I mean, it, it was sold to place that... Or like street Muslim country, and you have a, a naked Jewish guy, you know, yeah, in the middle in the of the movie, film. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, it was really unexpected. You know, really fun, and it was fun. It was fun to have a, a movie, indie film success. You know, oh, you know it, success, it, yeah, it's
0: brilliant. Yeah, it was such a brilliant movie. I, I loved it when I saw it. It's oh, so much you. fun. When how do you work then with your DP because you're directing You're starring in it. Uh, You've written it. How then do you set up those shots? How do you say, okay, we're going to, do you plan all that beforehand? And then you just jump in. How do you juggle the two with all your movies?
3: Well, usually I prepare carefully. Um, That's, that's the secret to be in a film and direct at the same time is you have to be on the same page with your DP and you have to be agreeing on what you're going to film, how you're going to film it before. I Mm. hate to not prepare. And I go really, you know, um, My Zoe, we were able to prepare 90% of it. There was like 10, 15% that we left kind of like, you know, and that made me very uncomfortable. We had very little time prepping and it it gave me a lot of anxiety actually, Uh, but it turned out good. You know, we still prepared the major scenes thoroughly and uh, with this wonderful (coughs) Stéphane, Stéphane Fontaine. And, um, and on the two days, I had the same DP, Lubomir uh, Chef uh, who's a great guy, really, really great. Um, and um, so, yeah, I love to prepare well, you know, and to be kind of knowing everything I'm doing in advance. So it's not, you know, I think preparation is everything when you, when you have to you know, for any film, for any, even if you're not in it,
0: mm-hmm. preparation is massive, and I say it all the time on the podcast, it's so important to do that. But you can easily get lost. Do you like to change your mind on set, though? So let's say you've prepped, but then you get there and you go, actually, this is a nicer shot. Are you still quite free in that way?
3: Of course, and I have to say, if someone comes up with a better idea, mm-hmm. I'm open to it. You know, it's uh, I, I'm friends with a uh, Barbet shredder who is a French director, and. You know, I remember even talking to other directors, uh, you know, like older directors and stuff like uh, Billy Wilder and they were like, they're always saying, you know, you have to listen to people on set because someone might have a better idea. So, you know, I think it's it's that's why movies are collaborative work. You know, it's like if the DP has a better image in his mind, why not be open to it? You know, Mm -hmm. you had an idea and maybe it's a good idea. And then there's some ideas that I will fight for. Or that, I, uh, that I will say this is the way it is because mm. I have an image in my head that they don't and that I have an overall idea of like especially editing mm. that maybe a DP won't have yes. as much as I do because I think of editing as I'm working, you know and I'm yeah. like, I need that close up yeah, like, you know, right now I'm having other directors uh, direct some episodes of my show and I directed most of them but there's a few episodes I'm not doing and, uh, and I tell them sometimes I'm like, I need that shot and they're like, yeah, but we have this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need that shot because I will need to edit this, you know? Mm. So so it's very, you know, for me, um, and I say the same to a DP. If he says, no, but it's nice in that long shot. I like, no, 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 no. I need that cut away. I need it. I yeah. cannot have it, you know?
0: Because well, it, be really nice. it might be nice. It might be nice on set. It might be nice on the day. It looks gorgeous, but it doesn't fit in with the structure and the edit that you have in mind. And, yeah, and then
3: you have a slow scene or a yes. beautiful shot in the middle of a scene that just, or in the middle of, a, of, a, yeah. of an episode that doesn't work.
0: Yeah, no and one it, cares. It's yeah. great
3: when we're filming it, but just it's, it's you throw it away. You know? Yeah,
0: totally. What have you learned from some of the directors you've worked with? Richard Linklater is a perfect example in the before series. Did you learn from these people? Obviously, your know, extensive acting background as well. Do you go on set looking to see what they're doing, to constantly be uh, improving your craft?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I learned from everyone, I learned from Richard, you know, well, he he left us so much room as writers and actors, you know, Uh, I learned to leave a lot of room, I'm a little more, you know, not relying on other people than he does, you know, I feel like I'm more, you know, um, and uh, I think I've learned a lot from Kieslowski, from Agnieszka Holland, from, you know, but I learned a little bit from everybody. I've learned from people I haven't worked with also just having discussion about it. And, uh, mm. you know, I'm learning every day. You know, I'm learning from directors I'm working with now, or actors, you know, I'm learning from everyone all the time. I mean, it's it's a constant learning experience, right?
2: Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I was wondering if there were any plans to uh, – you probably get asked this question all the time, Judy.
2: But the fourth one – yeah. So
3: far not, so far not. She already knows I the think, question. You know, the last time, um, you know, we talked about it, Richard had an idea that I didn't like, and I told him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and since then, you know, it's kind of stalled there. You know, like the idea was, was really not, not really, really really disappointing, I think, for people that like the series. And I was like, I- I'd rather not do another one then, you know, than go in that direction. And, so it, no, and Ethan agreed, and Richard agreed in the end too. So it's better we don't do a, a fourth one than do one that really shatters the entire three. Yeah, I
0: totally agree. It must have been a, a slight risk to do that with the third one in some ways. You must have thought, is this a risk? Or did you always know there was going to be it's a trilogy? Did Was that something that you thought that would be the case?
3: No, but we knew we had uh, something interesting to explore, which is like, how do you sustain love in a relationship, you know, mm, which mm. is an interesting subject, you know. The only thing we could do now is like, you know, maybe add a lot of humor to it. That was my idea, you know, uh, to to kind of like, you know, after after 20 years together, you know, how do you survive? And, you know, I, I'm the only one of the two guys, Ethan and Richard, that have witnessed firsthand a couple that have been together for 40 years, which were my parents, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew how it works. You know, I know how it works to keep a – a relationship going because I've been witness of my parents that were in love for so many years and having fun for so many years, you know, and, and, until my mom passed. But, you know, it was, uh, I was the one that, um, was, you know, more driven to explore the 50 something episode, but you know, I think we left it there. I think we we're done.
0: Mm-hmm. Great answer. So no more befores at the moment, but thank you for that. Well, you know, um,
3: maybe, yeah. maybe it's not interesting enough to film a 50 year old woman, Maybe we have nothing to say in in this Hollywood standard. You know, (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I should be playing the mother of, um, of, uh,
2: (laughs) yeah, of who's my age.
3: uh, (laughs) I don't know. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs>
0: yeah. In Hollywood standards. You're right. If Harvey was still around, that would be happening, I imagine. Um, and finally, t- um, tiny bit of advice for a filmmaker coming up now. Anything looking back that you go, oh, I wish I'd known that before I'd made my first feature or my Zoe, for instance.
3: When I think of filmmaking, I think of practical shit only. You know, for example, on MyZoe, I, re- I really, really was not happy with doing location scout at the same time as prep. I think it should have been done before, way before it was disorganized a little bit, not organized the way I wanted. It kind of took a lot of energy out of me. You know, I think of only practical shit. I mean, I don't have like major, big advice. I'm like, you know, it's a step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. Don't look at him like, you know, something um, magical and creative. I I always tell my friends that want to direct and haven't directed yet, it's like, you have to become the most practical person in the world when you become a director, you know, from the writing process. You have to become, you know, you have to think of shot list. You have to be, you know, it's like uh, packing a suitcase. It's like uh, preparing a trip. It's like, you know, it becomes a um, uh, job. And I love being practical. So mm. for me, it's, it's a great thing between the creative side. And suddenly becoming, you know, it's like cleaning my house suddenly, you know. And that yes, there is a creative side to it, but think of it as a complete, you know, like boom, 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 you know, with shot list and list of this and list of that. I mean, it's like, that's all I do, you know, yeah. which is very fun, you know. And then you have to be creative on set, but it's mostly... You have to be super organized, you know?
0: Brilliant. Great. Uh, Julie Delpe, thank you so much. My Zoe is thank out you. now and it's amazing you've done a brilliant job. Thank you so much for thank your you time. So Take thank care you, and good luck with the series. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.
3: Take bye. care. Lovely meeting you. Bye. And you. Bye.
0: bye. So that was the amazing,
1: fantastic Julie Delpe there. Wow. That was wonderful, wasn't it, Robbie? Oh, amazing. She was full of great advice and so many yeah. great stories and. Yeah, I just love how she didn't hold back on uh, being honest about how. Well, this this is why I did that. This influences this influences me. Like, um, she's a very sort of honest and uh, uh, clear person. Yep. Yeah so uh, my zoe
0: is out now you can go watch that and do go support uh she's clearly a brilliant intelligent woman and will continue making films uh thank you so much for listening and watching uh this is the filmmakers podcast you can follow us at filmmakers pod you can follow me at
1: giles alderson robbie where can they follow you you can follow me at robbie mccain on twitter instagram all the all the usual suspects We're also on Instagram now,
0: as well as at Filmmakers Podcast. So do go find Mm. us there as well. Uh, Remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. Go out there, make your indie film, make your feature film, make your studio movie, but go out there and make it happen and be brave and strong. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.